I'm Taryn Ward. And I'm Stephen Jones. And this is Breaking the Feed, social media beyond the headlines. We're taking a closer look at the core issues around social media, including the existing social media landscape, to better understand the role social media plays in our everyday lives and society. In our last episode, we started to look more closely at Truth Social. We covered the basic functionality and walked through the experience from a user's perspective. This episode, we'll look at some statistics about Truth Social and some other so-called alternative social media platforms, share our own research on one of the sources we discussed last time, and conclude our case study. First, it's worth saying a few words about why we went through all of the detail we did in our previous episode. If you're still listening after all of that, thank you. We know it wasn't the most pleasant thing to listen to, wasn't just wasn't that exciting or informative in some ways, and it wasn't the most fun episode to do either, but we thought it was really important that you have something approaching the actual experience so that you could draw some of your own conclusions. We kind of generalized about what's on the platform, but the point of this podcast really is to go beyond the headlines. So rather than saying, there's some unusual, concerning, extreme, conspiracy theory, whatever content on truth, whatever your political persuasion, we think it's better that you know what's actually on the platform. We chose to do a special case study on truth because it's really not just another niche social app. It's a niche social app largely concerned with political speech and owned and controlled by a former president of the United States of America. Yeah, and and therein lies one of the big problems. Despite its claim to be the big tent, it is owned by a former president of the United States and therefore has a political viewpoint because, regrettably, presidents of the United States have a political viewpoint and sometimes that can become, you know, a little bit more extreme than others. So, yeah, it's it's not just a social media network, is it? It is approaching or has become a propaganda arm of a one one part of one of the political parties in the United States. And as we saw, the content is extreme, um, is not the sort of content I would have ever expected Republicans to uh, espouse. And as you said, a lot of the Republicans that you know do not agree with the content that's posted on this platform, but they are being tarnished with it in the world's eyes, which is another reason to be concerned because the world is watching what is said by former presidents in the United States on their network. And most of the content we we spoke about last episode wasn't a surprise because we know what happens when a social network starts with a clear political audience in mind. And really, this can happen even when you're not starting that way. It can sort of be, you know, a, a platform that really starts as somewhere in the middle can really be pulled one direction or the other. But when a social network starts with a clear direction in mind, it's it's unsurprising really that, that we're se- seeing this kind of content as a result. Um, and to be clear, picking up on a point that you made, most Republicans I know have never even used Truth Social. And most of the Republicans I know who have used it largely used it early on, not super early, but but early after it was allowed on Google Play and in the Apple Store to see what the fuss was about and ultimately left with many of the same concerns we had and some some additional concerns about how it portrayed their own community or community that they consider themselves to be a part of, which I think probably goes to your other point, 
um, you know, whether you like it or not, this is how the world, especially outside of the United States, sort of views the whole Republican Party now. And that's because what, what Truth Social really is, is a place for people who are enthusiastically pro-Trump, right-wing extremists, to froth each other up and exchange conspiracy theories that are in most cases worrying and in some cases dangerous. You don't know who is reading or watching, and these vague claims of treason and statements that Americans won't survive another year with Biden in charge are only just words until someone acts on them. And Steve, early in our work together, you shared a bit about things from a public health perspective. So you told me how public health agencies often approach vaccine hesitancy and why. And I think it's a really important consideration when we think about how we got here with Truth Social and how we get here with a lot of other similar platforms. Would you mind just sharing with everyone what you shared with me that day, you know, 10,000 years ago? Yeah, in the dim, dark past. Yeah, I mean, it was very topical at the time because uh, vaccine, COVID vaccines were being rolled out and, and so on and so forth. But, but vaccine hesitancy predates COVID by a very long way and is absolutely cost lives and cause disability. And so the reality is that that if you are vaccine hesitant in any way, it's it's largely counterproductive to have somebody who is, you know, enthusiastically pro-vaccine to talk to you because the 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 reality is you you're more likely to pull away a little bit from being pro-vaccine um and become more hesitant because that that approach, their their attitude to it is too strong for you. And so what you really need to do is talk to people who are sort of like a little bit less vaccine hesitant than you are, say 10% less vaccine hesitant than you are. So you move people, you know, slowly to the side. And we, we saw um, that, you know, the, the public discussion was a really, was really focused initially on anti-vax sentiment. And the move to using vaccine hesitant was a way to sort of tone down and soften the language around this so that people didn't feel like these were poly, polarized arguments that, that, if you had any concerns at all, concerns at all, you were anti-vax, and therefore it was very much more difficult for you to change your mind as more information becomes available, and that's really, really important. And actually, it works it, a- across a whole spectrum of um, social behaviour and like anti-racism. If you're even slightly a little bit, you know, racist, then talking to somebody who's a very strong anti-racist advocate can polarise you in the wrong direction. Um, and this becomes really important because of the way that social media algorithms work, that um, they tend to pull content and therefore viewers to extremes um, because they want eyes on um, screens and people tend to pay more attention to things which posts which attack out groups, posts which attack, you know, vaccines as being a, a government conspiracy to inject microchips whatever the the more outlandish and extreme the content the more likely you are to actually read it and over time it does change your view and so the, you know that's really really uh, unhelpful and for for anybody who hasn't had a pet that's had a microchip i can tell you absolute certainty you can't put microchips into animals through the needles they use to vaccinate people they're just too damn big not even bill gates has got that technology it is a very serious issue, um, and I think that one of the reasons I was involved in this got, got involved in this project. Lots of reasons, but one of the reasons was the spread of myths and disinformation online around uh, vaccines and infectious diseases in the pandemic. Because it was, you know, it, it really complicated the job of public health 
um, trying to do the right thing and explain when their views change that, you know, information changes because we have new data. That's that's the summary. I don't want to ramble on anymore, but this is a, a, an area very close to my heart. Taryn, as you know. I, I do know. And I think that's that's really helpful. So I think, you know, in a in a perfect world, well, in a perfect world, I guess maybe we wouldn't have social media, but in a near perfect scenario, you would go online and you would see information from a, a, a wide range of different viewpoints. And it would give you an opportunity really to analyze all that information and then make an informed decision. So you would see things that were a little bit left of where you are, a little bit right of where you are, a little bit, you know, whatever, a little more vaccine hesitant, a little less vaccine hesitant. You'd see sort of all of these things and you'd learn from you'd learn from these posts and you'd learn from these comments and then you'd you'd make an informed, a, a better informed decision. The problem with these platforms, and it's not just Truth Social, you know, we when we talk about echo chamber concerns, you know, it's not even the most successful social platform used by the political right. Um, you know, there are several other platforms that are doing some of these same things, whether it's Gab or BitChute, Getter, Parler, Rumble, and even Telegram. But what happens is when you go into one of these these sort of chambers, people do tend to just sort of one-up each other and it becomes a step-by-step sort of becoming more and more radicalized. And and to be clear, that's really what this is. This is radicalization and it's it's concerning no matter who you are because it's a really powerful pull. And if you're not stopping to see the other side or to see the middle or to think about other viewpoints, you can really get stuck down going down this road and lose touch very quickly with credible information and news sources and you can see that happening in in some of these people on on truth social so the other platforms i mentioned just there just then are important and relevant and again some are are very very successful but none of them are owned or controlled by a former u.s president who is currently running for re-election and the truth social stats are are notable on their own too. So so let's let's turn to some of the stats. Um, and this is from from Pew, which we'll we'll link to on our on our website. Well, twenty seven percent of U.S. adults say they have heard of truth. Only two percent use the site for news. Thirty one percent of adults use Facebook for news. Twenty five percent YouTube and fourteen percent Twitter just so you have some comparison numbers in mind. So we're talking about a relatively small percent of the population in terms of news consumption, at least, just that 2%. And although Truth Social identifies as a free speech platform, it's faced a number of controversies and has long been accused of blocking content due to political views expressed. So that is part of why you see what you see when you when you log in. Of the 2% who do get their news on Truth Social, 87% say they expect that news and information to be mostly accurate. This is incredibly high compared to users on other platforms, and of the platforms mentioned above, it's second only to Rumble. So that's including now Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, all of those sort of, you know, center or whether you whether you believe they're centers platforms or not. They're so large that certainly every every viewpoint you can imagine is is represented somewhere. 
58% of people who use Truth Social say the news they got there helped them to better understand current events. So, you know, we have, we, we do have people walking around today who feel like they have a better understanding of why UN peacekeepers are in the United States because of what they've read on Truth Social. Um, again, really, really concerning. On Truth Social, 83% of accounts have values or other appeals in their profiles. And 49% of those have a clear reference to being right-leaning or pro-Trump. This is notably higher, again, than even other alternative social media sites studied. So just a point of clarification here, that 49% is not, 49% say they're right-leaning or pro-Trump and 51% say they're left-leaning. It's 49% say they're they're right-leaning or pro-Trump. And and that's sort of it. The, the, other, the other identifiers are not clearly right-leaning or pro-Trump. That doesn't mean that the, the left is represented at all. And in the research that we found, actually, we didn't find any numbers. And I haven't yet found an account anywhere on Truth Social that indicates you know, any sympathy for a viewpoint that is not right-leaning or pro-Trump. Wow. Those are unpleasant stats. Sure. It's 2% of people who get their news on truth. But for almost all of them to say that the news that they get is mostly accurate is is horrifying. And, I mean, it's, it's hard to imagine how that could be true other than, you know, that they, they already exist in information bubbles and echo chambers. And this confirms their biases. So no attempt is made to look for alternative sources but that is it's really scary isn't it that that is the case and and you know as we've said before because this is owned by somebody who's been elected and is running for re-election then this becomes a propaganda arm which in no small part makes it ironic that it's called truth because of course pravda was the name of the newspaper of the, the former Soviet Union's Communist Party. And Pravda means truth for those who don't speak Russian or weren't around in the 80s when it was common knowledge. Oh my God, like this is not a news source. Social media generally isn't a news source, but this is definitely not a news source. So please don't do this. Yes. And you know, to the credit of most people, we see relatively low numbers on other platforms. You know, 31% of adults in the U.S. use Facebook for news, but a relatively small number of them think that there is anything reliable in that content. And, and Facebook, to be fair and to its credit, does have a wide variety of sources. Some of them are absolute rubbish, but some of them are credible, long-standing news publications that that care very much about their reputation. And in fact, if they get something wrong, we'll print print that and we'll say, sorry, we need to correct something. We got this wrong. That's one of the differences too. Huge difference. Okay. So those are the stats. That is what it is. How problematic is it, though? Maybe there are some reliable news sources on Truth Social, too. We're certainly not closed off to that possibility. So one of the news sources that kept coming up when I scrolled through my Truth Social content was this source called News 44 USA. Um, It came up again and again. If you missed our last episode, 
um, quite a bit of the content was was articles from from this site. But when I did a quick search to learn about this publication and to find out who owns it um, and how it's funded, because that's always important, I couldn't find anything, which is really unusual. So we looked at Twitter, we looked different places, and then I realized that when you click through on the link, it actually redirects to something called highspeedjob.com. Fine. So we researched that because, of course, we did for hours, literally down the rabbit hole, because that's who we are and that's what we do. Unsurprisingly, few answers were found. We read dozens of articles on this website. Um, one was less well written than the next. And I don't mean that in some sort of elitist, whatever way. I mean, whoever wrote many of these does not speak fluent or even a basic level of English and didn't bother to have someone who does make edits. Um, some of it was was incoherent, really. And, and that's fine, too. If you've ever heard me try to speak French or Italian or German or even Spanish, which I have some sort of a degree in, I guess, you'd know that I have no room to throw stones, and that's not what I'm doing. But it raises a number of questions, and I wouldn't pretend to be creating an article for a French news outlet um, and passing, you know, trying to use my non, not very passable French to, to pretend like I was writing articles from within France. News 44 USA clearly is. In, in, in fairness, the name probably should have been a giveaway, but, but it did, it, you know, we did give them the benefit of the doubt when we started, we started looking into who they are. Yeah, we did, and that was a mistake. As you said, it was, it was incoherent. Nobody's perfect. No, and we're not. I mean, absolutely we're not. But this was, this, these, this is, you know, people are using this as a news site. It links to something which is incoherent. Um, it, the posts, very often people just read the headlines, right? They don't open it. They don't investigate. If the headline is egregiously provocative and agrees with your fundamental biases, then you're going to share that um, without delving in much deeper or asking yourself, could this really be true? And that's that's what's really bad on a platform with no moderation or, or you know, fact-checking. And, and, you know, you and I both criticized the, the mainstream networks for the, for the job they do of moderation and, and, and fact-checking and misinformation and disinformation flagging. But at least they try. This, there is no attempt here. And I, mean, I think we, uh, in our, in our se segment on truth in our, our new Twitters, and we talk about how they, they say they're not going to stop people saying whatever they want. It turns out that whatever they want are bold-faced lies and conspiracy theories and dog whistles. And if you look at other, you know, networks like Gav, which just started out not moder moderating its content and suddenly became, you know, rabidly right-wing, this does seem to be what what happens if you make those decisions. A civil discussion requires s rules, right? That's just the way it is. Um, so it, this was really scary, and that and and there, were, there was nothing to back those articles up. They were it was just um, a onion of nonsense, lots of layers, but all of it nonsense. That's certainly true. And, and what you said about scanning the headlines without clicking through is is really true. And and I have made this mistake before. It's very tempting, especially if you're in a hurry or moving quickly. Um, you sort of 
you see a headline and you're in the middle of something else and you don't have a chance to click through and you think you don't mind, oh, I'll go back and read that later. Life gets in the way, things get busy. And you know, you and I have had our sort of end of the day, well, end of the day for me catch up. And I said, oh, I saw this article that said this, I, and I, I'll just redo the headline. Um, and then, and then we always, of course, go back and check. But there are other things that are less important that aren't work related. That you know, I do sometimes see the headline, and I think, well, I know what this article is going to say, and move on. But the question is, what is the news source? And that's not to say again that BBC, the New York Times, whatever it is, they do sometimes get things wrong, and often they will cop to it. Um, and say, sorry, we made a mistake. This is what's happening. Or, you know, whatever whatever the situation is, it's addressable. These are not real news sites. Um, the name change is, is a giveaway. The site also claims that each article has more than 10,000 frames, um, which is sort of like their, their likes. And, you know, other than making us rethink our use of Sparks as likes on Bright, because we don't want to be anywhere near what, what is happening on this website, it raises questions about why none of these articles have any comments. So 10,000 people have engaged with this, 12,000 people, 11,000, it's pretty much always somewhere in that range, but there are no comments. It all starts to, to feel very concerning, let's say. And you, of course, can draw your own conclusions and definitely go and have a look for yourself if it still exists by the time you're listening to this. But to be clear, it's all fake. All of it. All fake. And this is especially worrying because it resembles a pattern of behavior we've seen elsewhere. Fake accounts, fake news outlets, created and shared by non-native English speakers, posing as doing it from within the United States. It's it's all pretty worrying. Oh, gosh, yes, it is, isn't it? Because we live in a time where instability in Western nations is in the interests of a small but select group of foreign powers. And there is a long history, let's be honest, of using propaganda to sow discontent um, and erode support for a country. And in this case, its own military. This is a standard tactic. And we know because Facebook and Twitter have found them and tried to kick some of them out that these are state-run operations from Beijing and from Moscow via St. Petersburg, you know, this is a this is an industrial level of effort to to spread missing disinformation. It, it is unfortunate that people who consider themselves to be genuine American patriots in this case, and whilst we might worry about their methods and the extremity of their views, I think they do consider themselves to be patriots. But they're you know it looks like they're getting used as tools. In a, in a proxy war that's being fought online through social media. And the, the less controls a social media platform has, the more easy it is for those players to operate. The, the, the United States and its, the role it's able to play in, 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 the, in the world, which is really, um, you know, horrifying. Absolutely. And so for all of these reasons, News 44 USA inspired my first post on truth, my first truth on Truth Social, I should say, highlighting some of these concerns. I also commented on some of these posts 
asking if anyone had looked at into the reliability of this source and who was funding it. Perhaps unsurprisingly, given the accusations about Truth Social limiting post-reach, no one ever engaged with my post and my followers list remains at zero. But stay tuned. If there is an update, we will um, we will add it to the transcript page. I mean, I have to say, I, I'm not convinced that you're going to become a an influencer on Truth Social. Um, I think the fact that it you didn't get any comments or you know followers is not surprising at all because of the, the the observations that have been made before it will be interesting though let's keep an open mind and see what happens but i am also a bit worried about you because one imagines that some of the responses would be quite unpleasant and then you're going to have to sit there and read them and that that's not going to be great probably not although it would be interesting for research purposes to compare the level of vitriol to some of the other big social platforms. So whether it's worse than what I would get on Twitter or even LinkedIn, and worse in, in what ways. So we really will share an update um, in, in the transcript if there's anything to share. And next time, we'll continue to examine the existing social media landscape, and we'll turn to areas where we see potential for growth. We'll start with a general look at some of the new social shopping apps, discuss what we think new social media offerings will look like over the next two years, and discuss why it's difficult to launch a new social media network. Finally, we'll identify some gaps in the existing market where there are opportunities for brands and consumers before we start our new series on privacy. In the meantime, we'll post a transcript of this episode with references on our website. You can find this and more information about us at thebrightapp.com. And if you'd like to take a deeper dive into Truth Social, check out our episodes on Twitter Alternatives. Until next time, I'm Stephen Jones. And I'm Taryn Ward. Thank you for joining us for Breaking the Feed, social media beyond the headlines. Beyond the headlines.